right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kansas is going bowling. I guess we don't technically know they're going bowling, but they're both eligible is the way of putting it. I won't even go into the disaster situation they're, that they're I, going I brought bowling. up yesterday. But yeah. They are going, they're going to bowl. bowling. Yeah, let's just be certain about it. Uh, so we're going to recap that with KU dominating Oklahoma State. We're going to talk a little KU Omaha throughout the show. We've got audio today from Norm Roberts yesterday from Lance Leipold over the weekend. we got Case of the Mondays, NFL Monday Overreactions. Brandon Schneider is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. It's a great day. It is a great day. It's a beautiful day. It is. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Right now, you can bet on the KU Omaha game for tonight. The spread is Kansas minus 34. Kansas minus 8,000 money line. So if you got $8,000 lying around, you can... How much would that... It would win it? you a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Okay. Eight thousand to a hundred. That worth it to you? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, uh, over under yeah. is one forty seven. But I think you were saying that the Kansas team. Let me see. This I think is, it's like ninety. It's ninety and a half. Ninety and a half. Yeah. So Derek, listen. Just I'm just gonna be candid here. Mm-hmm. This is a the college basketball season is a disaster for me when it comes to sports betting because I I can't do math. So it's like. I'm looking at the over under and I'm like, what? I don't know what to do with that. It's just like, it's just I just like, can't do I it. No idea what the <laughs> score that would be. I just can't do it. Uh, that's basically saying if it's like 92 to 56, you're over. Okay. So do that what you will. Here's the bet I like. So they have some player props up there. Here's the five they have. Actually, they have seven. Dewan Harris over six and a half points. Not really touching that one. Okay. Kevin McCuller over under 12 and a half points. Not going to touch that. I would lean over there. Yeah, probably. Jalen Wilson's over-under for points is 14 and a half. And it's not just that. The over is juiced to plus 100. Meaning it's even odds for whatever you put. Vegas might know. And maybe this is something (laughs) where Kansas could be up by so much. They they think they're just going to be blowing him out so much that he's just going to not play. Exactly. And the KU is just going to have a bunch of guys between you know 10 and and 15 points. Michael Jankovich is going to score 20 points. But again, this is a guy who is... In my opinion, going to average 16-plus per game this year. He scored 24 in the exhibition game. He scored 15 for you in the national championship game. Even if he only plays 27, 28 minutes in this one, he should get the over there. I am pounding that line. You can also get Jalen Wilson over under 7.5 rebounds, which I'm leaning over there. I like this one as well. Kevin McCuller over 3.5 rebounds, and that's plus 110 for a guy who's a pretty good rebounder. Uh, Jalen Wilson over 1.5 threes is plus 160. I'm not touching that. Kevin McCuller over .5 threes is minus 160. Don't love the odds there, so not taking that. So you can get in on that. 
at DraftKings as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Kansas dominates Oklahoma State 37-16, to the final score for KU. And really, after Oklahoma State made a 10-7, Jason Bean had the long rushing touchdown from there. It was kind of all Kansas. And yep. the most important storyline, headline for all of this, Kansas is bowl eligible. They get the sixth win. Oh. Don't have to worry about the the pressure mounting up as the games go on. Yep. Now everything is the cherry on top. You know, we can even convert the conversation to being like, hey, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. They win the last three games. Maybe they're Big 12 title bound again. There I'm we not go. ready to quite there have that conversation. They beat Texas Tech this weekend. I'm cool having that conversation next week. But most important right now, you are bowl eligible, and, you know, I, I I had a thought. I was talking with my wife after the game, and we were saying, what an unbelievable athletic season the yep. KU has had here. Like, yes. it, it it's hard to ever match what the 07 season did, 07-08, where you win the title in basketball just like this year's team did, but also that team won as one of the greatest all-time champion teams, whereas this one won't be viewed that way, even though it's still a national championship. And then you also won an Orange Bowl and went 12-1 and football, whereas this one's not going to hit that level of success for football. But, like, when you when you factor in the maybe more improbability of Kansas basketball winning this title than the 08 team, and when you factor in the improbability of this Kansas football team after years of struggling to even make a bowl game, this is one of the most fun, I guess, calendar years of KU athletics that um, I'm sure a lot of people will will have over you know the the time of of rooting for KU. So Bill Conley's uh, ESPN Plus, whatever his rankings, whatever mm-hmm. they are, I don't remember what they're called. SP Plus, SP Plus, that's what it is. Preseason, those rankings gave Kansas a one percent chance <laughs> of making a bowl. <laughs> One. One percent. One percent. And those, like, to be fair, that's not something where it's, like, clown on. Like, he has done a great job. No, those are normally very accurate. Yeah. And that is the job that Kansas. I mean, it's, also, it's remarkable. Also, since 2017, only two Power 5 teams have not made bowls, KU and Nebraska. Yes. Now you can check KU's, You can check KU off. Nebraska Yeah, might be the only Power 5 team in the last six years. To not make a bowl. There's your sales pitch if if hypothetically we get back around to this whole cycle of like, oh, Nebraska's looking to hire Lance Leipold. Just, you know, be like, hey, they haven't been to a bowl. They're like, they're the team yeah. who can't go to bowls. Why would yeah. you leave us? You know, exactly. Um, running game was Who's absolutely. Who's the better football school, KU or Nebraska? <laughs> running game was absolutely unstoppable for KU on Saturday. That was nice to see. And it wasn't like, whereas the, the running game in the early going of the season was at different points unstoppable. A lot of it too was triple was option scheme. based, and yes, it was yeah. it was scheme filled with perfect players for that scheme. What you did against Oklahoma State on Saturday was football porn. You basically demoralized them on the line of scrimmage. You dominated. You opened up huge holes. Receivers and tight ends were blocking well downfield to high levels, and yes, you ran some 
you know, fun formations or motions or whatever, some maybe option plays or whatnot. But a lot of that was just you pounding the rock right at them and taking it all the way to the end. I mean, over 300 rushing yards in the game. Devin Neal was amazing. And, and like, this is not hyperbole. That was one of the greatest individual games in KU football history. Derek, I'd like to take this moment. Mm-hmm. To just take a victory lap around the studio. Okay. I deserve it. Okay. <laughs> what did you do? I sat here in this very chair on Friday afternoon, and I suggested to you that Devin Neal mm-hmm. could have a breakout game. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He had one of the greatest games yeah. in football history for KU. I mean, seriously, it sounds like we're, we're hyperbolizing here, but I, I'm not. I, I tweeted this out earlier today. You go back to the year 2000, so that's when college football reference can you can search back to. So that's over two decades worth of, of data. Devin Neal became just the eighth player since 2000 to even have 200 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the same game. And the, the list of those other players, it's incredible. You got like Christian McCaffrey and some other guys on there. He is the first KU player to ever have 100 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the same game. As much as KU football has had some down years here, you look at some of those past running backs in KU history, that is a loaded position for KU. He is the first. This is one of the greatest individual games in KU history. And then you add on the notion that it was a game that got KU to bowl eligibility. And I think that's what makes this even more special. The fact that, I mean, I think the two biggest individual storylines in this game were Jason Bean and Devin Neal. And in both of their cases, it is everything that you could envision a Disney story about a football team or a sports team being about. In the case of Jason Bean, you overcome the adversity, you lose the starting job after Jalen Daniels comes in late last year, you lose the job over the course of the offseason, but you get your shot back. And after last year especially, where Oklahoma State dominated KU and Jason Bean had under 100 yards passing and uh KU, like, I I don't think they got their first first down until maybe, like, the second half or something. I mean, it was it was utter domination. And now you fast forward a year to this year, and you beat them to go to a bowl game. Unbelievable storyline. And then with Devin Neal, you're the kid from Lawrence. You were a four-star recruit. You didn't have to come to Kansas. You could have gone to almost any school in the country. You went to Kansas to help get it turned around. And you had that game. Again, not hyperbole, one of the greatest individual games in KU football history to get Kansas Bowl eligible. Unbelievable. And I'm just going to pat myself on the back for that one. (laughs) Yes. Good job, Nick. Devin Neal gets a 9 out of 10. Nick gets a 10 out of 10. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, because I, listen, I I forecasted this. I said said to you, Devin Neal breakout game. Why not? And you said, well, I don't know if he's going to get enough carries. No, 32 I, yeah. carries. I think what you said, you were like, what if he has like 150 plus rushing yards? And I was like, you know, maybe he has a game where he has 15 carries for 150 and he just breaks off a bunch of them. But I just, I, cause that was the thing for me. It was like, it's not that I don't think he'll have a good game. It's that I can't envision that much production because yeah, his season high for carries was 15 and against Oklahoma state, he got 32 carries yeah. in the game. And if you count the catches, he had 38 touches from scrimmage. Which I think brings back to the equation that, you know, you've been able to kind of keep him rested over the course of the season because you've had other good running backs. Um, maybe he was dealing with some sort of small, you know, nicks and bruises or whatnot that they didn't want to overuse him. And then you have the bye week this past week, and boom, that's what you get. 
That that, that has to get you excited for yeah. what we yeah. could. I, I know I brought this up a couple weeks ago, and I said, I wonder if similar to last year, have they had that push at the end of the season? Is this the beginning? Could they have a similar push at the end of this year? Is this the beginning? Yeah, and we kind of came to the idea that, like, I don't know, it, it'd be hard for the offense to take another step because they've already been so good. Maybe the defense could do it. But, I mean, after seeing what Devin Neal did and what the offensive line did, maybe. Maybe, man. Yeah, it was it was very impressive. Okay, I have, I have a weird hypothetical. Well, it's not weird. Any chance. Any chance. I don't well, know. I love maybe put a percentage. I love hypotheticals. What do you got? Could Devin Neal work his way into an invite to the Heisman ceremony? It it seems like a gargantuan proposition because of the fact that Devin Neal, at this point, because he doesn't have a ton of those carries over the course of the season, only has a little over 700 rushing yards. He's got like 200 receiving yards. But let's say, hypothetically, Kansas wins their next three games. Let's say over those three games, Devin Neal combines for like 450 rushing yards and another 100 receiving. So now you'd be looking at him having like 1,150 rushing yards, a bunch of touchdowns, 300 receiving yards, and by winning their next three, they're playing for a Big 12 title, and then he adds another, say, 100 yards rushing or something like that, another touchdown. And so at the end of the, or or I guess before the Heisman ceremony, he'd be looking at like 12 to 1,300 yards, which normally for running backs, we see them get around like 1,800, 2,000 to get invited. But because of the way he finishes the year, because of the boost of the storyline of Kansas, any chance that he could even just get an invite? He'd have to replicate the Oklahoma State game in the next three games. I think you're right. Like, he'd have to have over 200 rushing yards yeah, and at least 50 or 75 receiving yards plus, like, two or three touchdowns in all three games. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You're just too far behind the eight ball there. But, I don't know, I just got thinking about it because I was like, that was just an unbelievable performance. And the biggest part of the win to me, it was three things. I mean, obviously, like I just mentioned, the running game, unstoppable. Everybody blocked great. Devin Neal ran insanely. You even had the long Jason Bean run. Um, how about the defense, though? Like, they deserve credit for this, too. You come off the bye week when you have a really bad first half against Baylor, albeit the offense didn't really help you out. You have a bad game against Oklahoma. Again, the offense didn't really help you out in certain regards, but... Uh, you really struggled in that one. And you played a team in high tempo. And I get it. Oklahoma State didn't have Spencer Sanders. They had a backup quarterback. Kansas had a backup quarterback, too. And the defense... Oklahoma State had their third string. Yeah, they did. But it wasn't a third string. It like, wasn't really a third string. It was like That's a, the thing. It was, it was, it was like the a, choice to make a new second Mike, string, you know? Mike Gundy realized that, you know, maybe nepotism wasn't the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and so... Um, the defensive line was great in the game. They helped shut down the running. Like, we had all these questions. We we said that is the run, the defense, run defense. Yeah, back. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not going to make declarations. We're not doing that again. Yet. We're not doing no, that again. We're not going to because we said they're they're good this year. And then okay, and they had the two bad okay. games. Okay. okay, all right, all right, all right. But they're better than they were two weeks ago. That's for sure. And they got all sorts of pass rush. And you had some big interceptions. How could you forced. not love? How could you not love Kobe Bryant? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable game. He's just—he's just one of those. I mean, you see it so often with a lot of great players, where it's just the type of guy that just somehow, some way, always ends up near the football. Mm-hmm. Like it just—it's just those, and those are the types of special players that make it to the NFL. They are. So the defense was unbelievable because if you know, as, as great as the running game was, 
he held them to 16 points. You know, you even if the running game only has 150 in that game, you probably still win that game. Like that, that was kind of similar to the Iowa State game defensively. And then the last thing that I mentioned, yes, Oklahoma State was on a backup quarterback, but that is really what's apparent here. The difference of backup quarterbacks as we go through the Big 12. We've seen a lot of these other Big 12 schools have to go to backup quarterbacks. I, I almost feel like every Big 12 school has been on a back to, uh, backup quarterback except for maybe like Iowa State and West Virginia, which is ironic because those are like the worst two schools in the Big 12. <laughs> but like Texas Tech has, has gone between a couple different quarterbacks. Texas Tech's been like four guys. Yeah, Oklahoma's had Dylan Gabriel get hurt. Quinn Ewers got hurt at Texas. K-State's obviously played like three different guys. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that might actually be true. I think every Big 12 school has gotten to, like, multiple guys. Maybe I'm forgetting someone Jason except Bean, for those two. Jason Bean's the best. Jason Bean has got to be the best, the best. backup quarterback. By far. Not and, in fact, close. he might be even, like, a top, I don't know, five-ish quarterback in the Big 12 just in general. That difference of KU having him stick around is literally the difference of KU now going bowling. Yeah, it they, kept their you competitive. Season, their season would have been over. Yeah, it kept you competitive in the last three games, but it didn't lead to an actual win. Now it did. So that is the difference. And, by the way, you said you would eat some of the beans. If uh that's not entirely true. So I'm going to I'm going to let you that's pick. Not entirely true. We'll each pick a, a can of beans. These are the beans from the NIDL deal. They have Southwest Serious Bean Smokehouse company. Black Beans, Buckin Buffalo Black Beans, Carolina Gold oh, Barbecue Beans, Jalapeno and Bacon Beans, Dr Pepper Baked Beans and Sweet and Smoky Chipotle Beans. Our, which our, which can of beans are you going to be eating? Our production director Joel Becker made brought up a great point to me about us taste testing beans on the show mm-hmm. and that what normally occurs to you after you eat beans we'll do it to finish out the show we'll do it, we'll do it in the, like last segment of the show got around it now you gotta eat the beans i'm not eating the beans. you said last week you i would, did not say you would that. eat six cans of beans no in one i would segment. eat i'll eat 20 <laughs> boxes of cheeses i'm not eating any of beans i'll say this if the bean company would we, like to okay. send us some free beans we will do a free Taste test for you on we, there. We do yeah. need to we do need to iron out what we're going to do for each challenge, depending on which bowl yeah. KU goes. To. We know the we know the cheese it bowl. Um, yeah, we know cheese it bowl. But we'll like, figure that out later. There's in like the, week. the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Like, yeah, do we need to like we have to go out and repair a car or something or like you know for AutoZone? Oh, you can or do like, something uh, like ringing a bell. It's yeah, in Memphis. We can what do the, something. <laughs> what, are, what are the other options? I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head, there's like the Armed Forces Bowl. Okay. So you have you to. Like we we already talked of... about that one. You have to join the the military for four years. <laughs> really get committed. I don't. No, know. We, we could do we'll like a simulated it. boot camp, though. <laughs> that would be. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, all right, Ku, uh, victorious here, thirty-seven to sixteen. We're gonna take a timeout. When we come back, Lance Leipold spoke with the media after the game. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. <laughs> Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, about a quarter till four. We got Case of the Mondays coming up in the four o'clock hour. Also, Brandon Schneider is going to join us. We'll preview the KU game tonight against Omaha coming up at five o'clock. Obviously, you'll be able to hear that one at seven o'clock right here on KLWN with pregame starting at 530. Kansas City Chiefs won last night, squeaked it out 20 to 17 in overtime. Not not a great game for the Chiefs. I hate the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> but they won. You're the guy who always okay. loves saying the best thing about winning ugly the best is winning. Part of win- <laughs> the best part of winning ugly is winning, except when I have to stay up to watch your crap football. 
for an extra hour. <laughs> I just wanted to go to bed, man. And then the Chiefs, oh, we got to go down and let's not score. Mm-hmm. Go to overtime. Yeah, when yeah. they got up nine nothing and they were controlling the game, it was like, oh, yeah. Listen, I already took one victory lap. Mm-hmm. I think I need to take another. I told yeah. you what was going to happen. You might I have literally actually told you exactly what was going to happen. Why? Well, I, you might have actually predicted the exact score of twenty to seventeen. Like that no, might have actually been thrown out last week. You were like, I told they'll you. dominate the game, they'll yep. win. You might have said twenty. I literally to told you that's exactly what happened. Yeah, the Chiefs would absolutely dominate the game on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm. They would win in every facet. They would have three fourths of the time of possession over the Titans, and they would win twenty to seventeen. And Malik Willis would have the ball late in the game to try to win. <laughs> and guess what? He did. Yeah, he did. No, and and you look. God, I hate the Chiefs. Like as the game was going on, you'd like look at the box score and you'd see the team stats and be like, wait, why? Why is the game exactly. the way it is? Exactly. If you hid the final score mm-hmm. and just looked at the box score, you would think the Chiefs would have won by a hundred. Yeah, like these are these are the stats for the game. The Chiefs it's had twenty nine first downs. The Titans had nine. The Chiefs were the eight Titans of nine. Ten yards in the second half. The Chiefs were 8 of 19 on third down, 2 of 2 on fourth down. The Titans were 1 of 11 and 0 of 1. The Titans ran 48 plays for 229 yards. The Chiefs ran 91 for 499 Uh, yards. They averaged uh. almost a yard more per play. The Chiefs had 422 passing yards. The Titans had 57. I I just dumbfounded. I told you. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs had two uh, red zone trips where they didn't score... You had the missed field goal. You had the turnover that led to an easy three yeah, for the Titans. Yeah, bad, too, now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs kicking game. That's not great. Uh, also, Mike Vrabel, like, quietly kind of owns um, Andy Reid. He just, I don't know. There's something going on there in that, in that matchup. Uh, obviously, the Titans had won five straight in the regular season against the Chiefs. Beat them down last year. Also, Andy Reid has just okay. historically struggled versus the Titans. I don't so, know why. The good news for the Chiefs is everyone else also sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, like, think about this for a second. Yeah, the Titans are what the the fourth best team in the AFC, the third best team in the AFC, yeah. maybe. No, this is this is my favorite thing we do with the NFL. Like every year, it's it's just like you can convince yourself that there's only like two good teams, and and you can even some <laughs> years like this. You could say, okay, well, the, the Vikings have a great record, but come on, we're not trusting Kirk Cousins in the playoffs unless unless the game is at noon. Yeah. And then it's like if the Vikings make a run in the playoffs, they should lobby to change the Super Bowl to a twelve to a twelve o'clock game. <laughs> should be like, hey, they'll just have him. Uh, they'll just have him like be like, hey, you're on Hawaiian time for the next week. Just act like you're on Hawaiian time. It's oh, a noon go. Hawaii time game. Or better so. yet, they fly him to Hawaii yeah, for the week. He's just like Zoom meeting. So his body in. clock. That'd his be body great. clock is set. But yeah, I mean, yeah, this is just classic Chiefs, uh, and and and. and uh, again, without Mahomes, the Chiefs would lose. Obviously, well, yeah, they would lose a lot of their games. Yeah, I mean the cor- the quarterback difference was very stark, though. It wasn't just like you have Patrick Mahomes. Which, to be clear, like there were times that Mahomes even struggled in that game. Yeah, but when you needed a big play, he came up with it in in a majority of the situations. It's not just that the Titans like had a drop off at quarterback. Malik Willis looked horrible. He, he was he was bad. He was what five of sixteen for like fifty yards. I think he has like barely over a hundred passing yards in the last two weeks combined. He would scramble around, not find anyone, take bad sacks. Like he did not look good at all. Um, so I I don't know well, what to when you, think of that. When you run the ball for half a yard per carry, then the defense can sit back and 
play shell coverage. And yeah. That's it. Yeah, and, and that was a problem. The Chiefs could not run the ball at all. And this um, wasn't even Clyde's fault. No, it's just every was, running back Pacheco couldn't was, get anything. Yeah, Pacheco was just as bad. The Titans' defensive line dominated the Chiefs' offensive line. I mentioned there were some okay. plays where they did dominate. Yes, on mm-hmm. the run in the run game certainly, and in pass protection they were. I think they had four average. sacks, didn't they? They did have four sacks, but the Chiefs' O line actually did a decent job when they needed to. I felt like. Yeah, and I do think some of those sack numbers you could say like Mahomes was just forced to hold, he was the, hold ball the ball too long. Yeah, whether was that was. On his accord, like I, there were a couple plays where he missed a guy being like wide open, like yeah, Kelsey. The, the Miko slant for a touchdown. Yeah, that, that he missed, and they ended up scoring on that drive, yeah, I believe. Score, yeah. um, but there was a key play to Kelsey on a third down where he was wide open, and you normally don't miss him, and they went somewhere else. But whether it was on his accord, like missing someone, or the guys just not getting open consistently versus man, that led to some interesting stuff. The defense won them the game last night. I, I know you could argue that, yeah. well, the defense got him in a bit of a hole early because they gave up those two touchdowns to make it 14-9, but you give up 17 points through overtime and... W- 10 yards. They, they had 10 yards had 10 in the second yards. half and overtime combined. 10. 10 yards. That shouldn't even be a competition of a like, game. You have to, like, try to do that. Yeah. You know I mean, what what it was... Like, it was like, like, you have to... That's just that's just really bad. It was three and out after three and out. They kept giving Let's, opportunities for the offense. Another one of the great positives, which I've talked about this before, is... In the NFL, you know, uh, the sign of a really great team is that they win these types of games. So for the Chiefs, this is this was it's really a great win for them because that that this is what tells you that you're you are in that upper echelon of teams is that when you play poorly, when you get schemed up, when the other team is doing things to take away what you do well, and you still persevere through that and win, that's when you know you're a great team, and that's that to that point. That is something that we have not seen the Bills do, right? The Bills mm-hmm. have not shown that they can do that. The Chiefs have. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Like, you see the Bills lose kind of one of those games to the Jets over the weekend. Yeah. And there, there was a part of me that when you see the, the Chiefs can't run the ball, and, like, that's been actually something that has worked against the Bills. Like, the Jets just did that. It's defense and, and running the ball. Like, you almost wonder if it's, – it's like in March Madness. You don't always have to beat the best team. You just got to hope somebody else takes them out <laughs> along the way sometimes. And, like, maybe that's the key for the Chiefs in the playoffs. Now, they can obviously beat the Bills, and they've shown the ability to beat the Bills. But, like, yeah. maybe they just need the Jets to play the Bills in the divisional round, and then they can take them or out. Or even the Titans. Like yeah, yeah, Titans with the way they can them. run the ball. Um, didn't the Bills, like, blow out the Titans this year? I don't remember. Uh, maybe. But, I mean, in the end, Mahomes did enough. Uh, the, the one running play on, like, the third and 15. Yep. That was for the game, basically. Yeah, it kind of had shades of the long touchdown. I, I know very different situation and amount of yards and didn't result in the touchdown, but of the the AFC Championship long run that he's just like kind of weaving around and, oh, and makes yeah. a big play on the ground. Yeah. Then he had the rushing touchdown a little bit after. He was stupendous with some of those running plays. Yep. Some of the Chiefs um, receivers made some insane catch. They did have, like, this was, it was such a catch. weird game. It was awesome. Because, again, you can't just blanket say, like, oh, it was an unbelievable game for the receivers. Did you see some of those catches? Like you said, the Noah Gray one, the Kelsey one where he had to readjust to it and it was behind him. Yeah. Like, unbelievable catch. They also had six drops. It was the most by a Chiefs team since 2009. So it was like you had this up-and-down roller coaster of a game, but you did enough, you made the clutch plays, and the defense stepped up. Kadarius Tony's going to be good, by the way. Yeah, he looked. He only played nine percent of the snaps, which it felt like to me he was out there more. That's because they gave him the ball every time. Yeah, he was on the it was field. just a high noticeability factor. It was like, uh, you know, 
yeah, you're right. Just like every time he was out there, he was like either making a big block or like juking someone out of their shoes on a, um, you know, fake in going out or whatever. He made uh, a couple catches in the game. I think one got called back because of a penalty. That was certainly interesting, though, and it seems like the guy who lost out on the most snaps to him was Sky Moore. So we'll, we'll see how that kind of goes for the two of them, but you're right. I think he's going to be a big bigger part of the offense than I would have thought this year, which I'm cool with. He seemed explosive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the other part of that is, like, we've been sitting around kind of questioning the Sky Moore situation, right, for the good a good chunk of the season. And here comes Kadarius Tony, just traded in 12 days ago, and he's on the field getting the ball. So clearly, if the Chiefs wanted Sky Moore to get the ball, they would give him the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe there's just some other issues. Maybe he's, you know, having struggling in practice or whatever. Or it's just not quite gelling for him. But, but like, you got a guy who's just rolling in a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. And he is on the field getting the ball. So if the Chiefs wanted to give Sky Moore the ball, they would. Also, Nico Hardman. God, I love that guy. I just love him. He's so awesome. Did, if Nicole gets an extension, I'm buying a Nico Hardman jersey. He had that one big drop. He just had a touchdown. <laughs> that's the that's the ultimate McCole Hardman experience. <laughs> you get like one fumble or a drop, and then he'll yeah, he'll have a touchdown or something like that. Uh, I, I I did feel a lot better with him at putt return. Um, yeah, although he did run backwards one of the times yes. and then got destroyed. That's something you just got to kind of take with it, I guess, though. But uh, I don't know what this is, by the way, with like the kick return game, too. I feel like every time the Chiefs take it out, they get like hit They're, hard at the 16-yard line. Listen, listen. Join the brotherhood, okay? Of? Of kneeling not down returning every time? kicks. Yes, this, is, this does not apply to the Chiefs. Unless you have like I've, Devin Hester. I, I have literally... On this show, we had a whole segment that was basically dedicated to it, where I ranted about kickoff returns. I would, okay? I would actually like Listen, to see the math on this. I, I'm surprised I the analytics you, game hasn't come in. I'm telling you 100%. One of two outcomes happens when you return kickoffs. Either one, you return to like the 30, and there's a holding, and you start your own 15. <laughs> or two, you just get blown up at your own 15. There's no other outcome. Yeah, you get okay? occasional no other return outcome. TD. No. No, you don't. Has there been one kickoff return touchdown this season in the NFL? I'm sure there has. I don't think there has been. There's got to be. I don't I just, think there has. I, I, I feel don't think like, there has been. I feel like the analytics community would. I literally come do out not think something. there has been a kickoff return touchdown this season. Mm. Returning kickoffs is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> That's and gonna listen, be like the new Moneyball thing. A couple years Kneeling. ago, a couple like well, <laughs> well, probably longer than that. There was like the discussion about getting rid of kickoffs. Mm. Honestly, I'm down. Okay. Get rid of kickoffs. Just have everybody start at 25. I'm 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 in support of that. I don't want to watch my team get absolutely killed at the 12 yard line, or they get they return it to the 25, which by the way is where they would have started anyways. Mm-hmm. And then there's a holding. Holding. You got a chance for a touchdown. Saving team. No, you don't. That's the thing. You don't. <laughs> you literally don't. Well, big picture. Unless you have Devin Hester, but he retired. Chiefs are still first in EPA per play. They're the only team to be positive in that in every game. And the gap between them and second, the Bills, is the same as the Bills in second, 18th, the Bears. So offense had an up-and-down day, but they got it done in the clutch. Defense was awesome. You beat a team who was technically ahead of you on the seed line coming into the game. You got it done. Not pretty, but you'll take a win. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Case of the Mondays, next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. 
Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour on a Monday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and that means it's time to see who is having a case of the Mondays, even though it's not the worst day of the week. No, Tuesday's the worst day of the week. Mm-hmm. Heard here first. I'm having a case of the Mondays. What's that? I was at the Chiefs game last night. Oh, it takes yeah. takes a billion hours yeah. to get out of the parking lot. It was a long game. I'm exhausted today. Yeah. But plus, with power plus on. daylight savings. Yeah. So your body feels like it's an hour later. Mm. I'm just I'm just glad you're here, Derek. I didn't know if you were gonna make it in. Yeah. I'm I'm sure people who are working like tough jobs as I'm sitting here <laughs> in this cushy radio studio are like, okay. Okay, you'll tough be guy. fine. Okay, tough guy. <laughs> okay. Uh case of the Mondays. First up, future Memphis, Tennessee, because they will be having a big time case of the Mondays. If this ends up happening, whether it's the you know crowd that's going to be formed around the town, maybe some fighting they're going to have to deal with. CBS Sports, in their latest bowl projection, has Kansas playing Missouri in the Liberty Bowl. Okay, I actually don't want this. Why? Because I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how confident I would be in Kansas winning their bowl game. I do not want Kansas. Their first bowl game in 15 years to be a loss to Missouri. I don't what want if they, that. But counterpoint. Because listen, I don't care if I'll be honest. I don't care if KU loses their bowl game. It's going to be a great yeah, experience. Made like, a bowl. It's, it's going to be awesome, right? I will care if they lose to Missouri. So I don't want them to That's play fair. Missouri. That's fair. But counter, if they beat Missouri in the I'm bowl game, I'm not willing to risk that. Nick, imagine the season. I'm not willing to risk imagine, that. Wait, wait. Imagine this: Kansas beats Kansas State in the finale, then beats Missouri in a bowl game. I am not willing to risk losing to Missouri. <laughs> Give me anybody else. I don't because know. Because then the, the bowl game good. experience will be a lot of fun. It won't really matter if Gahey won or lost. It'll be a great experience. No, I do not want them to play Missouri. Well, I don't even know if Missouri's going to make a bowl. They're four and five. Missouri right now. does suck. So, yeah, I don't know from that standpoint, play. maybe that would be a good draw for Kansas because they might actually win. That's what I'm saying. Missouri does have a good defense. I think they're 18th on ESPN SP Plus on defense, but their offense is bad. Uh, so, Missouri has at Tennessee this week, L. New Mexico State at home, win. And then they're against Arkansas at home. So, a toss up whether they'll be bowl eligible or not. Not Missouri, please. <laughs> okay. Well, that'd certainly be interesting. Uh, case of the Mondays for the Big 12. Right. Once again, I have a serious bone to pick mm-hmm. with the Big 12. What are they doing? What what are, you, what are they doing? They have one job. Yeah, this happened again. I one think they job. only do this like once a year, which was a couple weeks ago. Or, or they have week, or one job. Now, in case you're wondering what I'm disappointing here is, the Big 12, typically what they do is, they release the game time for the football games two weeks in advance. Okay? So essentially, normally like on, like on a day like today, Monday, they re- release whatever time the game is are going to be for November nineteenth in two weeks, which is when KU plays Texas at home. Well, last they've they've now done this two weeks in a row, where they send out they pull out this complete BS card, I think, where they're basically just like, 
Hey, actually, I know we normally always announce our time games at, uh, on this day, but we're just going to wait and announce them next week instead. Be why? Because screw you. That's why. No questions. <laughs> like, no, that's it. Nothing. I don't get any sort of I don't get any sort of rebuttal. I don't get uh -huh. to be like, hey, what, what what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Why are we, you so know. So your anger level now. I don't, and I, <laughs> listen, I don't care about the TV networks. They can they can go. I don't I don't care about them. Your Just give me a game now. time. How much will it go up if not only have they not announced it, but then they give them an 11 a.m. game for oh, senior day? Oh, if it's day. an 11 a.m. game, I am picketing the Big 12. <laughs> I'm picketing the Big 12. I'll drive to the Big 12 offices, mm -hmm. and I will stand outside Brett Yormark's office window. He probably is not on the first floor, though, actually. That probably wouldn't work. No. I'm going to I'm gonna get a, what would I get? Like a scissor lift. <laughs> and I'm going to lift myself just up. one of these somewhere? <laughs> you can rent scissor lifts, I think. Uh, uh, I'm going to get one. I'm going to lift myself up so that I am eye level with Brett Yormark's office. And I'm going to say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what are we doing? You have one job. Okay, is there is there an outside chance? I don't know. Maybe not even outside chance. I don't know what games would be next week. Is there a chance that KU could host College Game Day next week? I know it sounds crazy like it's because Texas? it's like, hey, KU already had College Game Day this year. Well, guess what? They're going back to Texas well, this week. TCU, yeah. Or, yeah, uh, Texas, yeah. Yeah, Texas. it's Texas versus TCU. But it's TCU, I guess, twice. But so it's TCU Texas. twice. But that, the only problem would be, would they then go to a Texas game for the third time, even though it's not in Austin? But, again, the, the precedent is here. Texas is getting their second one hosted. Why can't Kansas? Hypothetically, if Kansas beats Texas Tech this week, they would be 7-3. and three, And at that point, I think they would be ranked. In the college football playoff rankings. And if Texas, I don't know who Texas plays this. Oh, uh, duh, TCU. We just said that. If, if Texas yeah. beats TCU, so I'd imagine after beating K-State, Texas will be around top 20. If they beat TCU, they'll probably be top 15. You'd have, I don't know, pretty good matchup there. Let's see. The other big matchups that week, Ohio State, Maryland, Georgia, Kentucky. My, my Big 12 tirade. Well, they could go to Illinois, Michigan. Utah, that, Oregon. That US, no, on? they'll go to USC, UCLA. Although, they won't get good turnout there. So, I don't know. Oklahoma State, OU. I don't know. It's not, it's not impossible. I don't, I mean, whatever. I mean, I just, I'm just so mad. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that's what would happen. I don't, I don't know. Again, we don't know what channel the game's going to be on. What if Big Noon Saturday is there? KU Nobody Texas, cares about Big Noon Saturday. 11 a.m. game. Big no. Noon Saturday. No. No. Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Brady no. Quinn. No. No. Matt Leinert's kid, who's probably going to be like a five-star recruit, I, no. sees the game and goes, Dad, I want to go there. And then KU has a five-star future commit in the class of 2025 or whatever it is. Here's what I think. Win, win, KU win, win, night win. game. Maybe. Against Texas. All right, KU. Well, here's what I think. Big 12 just announced the time. <laughs> nope. Can't have it. Uh, case of the Mondays for Nebraska. You mentioned this earlier. Uh, Nebraska is now the only team since 2017 only from power a Power five. 5 program, yeah, to not have gone bowling. And I guess Nebraska could still make it this year, but uh didn't really help that on Saturday they were up 10 nothing at halftime on Minnesota, and they lost. Lost 20-13. to 13. And now they're sitting there in not really a favorable position to try to make a bowl game. They still could. They have uh, Iowa to finish off the season at Iowa. They have Wisconsin, and they have at Michigan. Are there that three final like games three here? That three losses. It does sound like three losses. Is it not? Yeah. What's at the their, very least, their, like... What's their record? Best case scenario, they go one and two. I, th I think they have four wins at the moment. Oh, they have no chance. 
they have no chance. But we've also seen, you know, teams get in with five wins before, so I guess no. No. Oh, they're three and six. I'm banning. No, they got to win out. I'm, yeah, there's no chance. I'm banning Nebraska it. from making no, a three and bowl six. game with five wins. They're banned. Okay. Effective uh, immediately, I've banned them. Case of the Mondays for the Buffalo Bills. They lost to the New York Jets on Sunday. But also, this from Chris Mortensen about 20 minutes ago on Twitter. Bills quarterback Josh Allen is being evaluated for an elbow injury to his ulnar collateral ligament, his UCL, and related nerves. Bills coach Sean McDermott said earlier, team hopes to have more information on Tuesday. But a UCLA UCL injury. A UCLA injury. A UCL injury. Is very bad. A lot of times, like pitchers who get that in the MLB, like they might okay. have to be out for like the season. Okay. Football is different, but like he's somebody who throws the football. I haven't taken anatomy since seventh grade. And nerve injuries? Where is the UCL? It's in your shoulder. In your shoulder? Yeah. Like where exactly? Do you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's just in your shoulder. I, I mean, I thought you knew this stuff. What do you want me to do? You. I, I don't know. It's I two inches the... down from your collarbone, <laughs> two, in, two degrees that's, to the right. There axis. we go. See, I don't know. That's, what I, that's the answer I was I don't know. For. But, Derek, you don't understand. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to believe you regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to set you up here. I mean, if you're talking about if, if Josh Allen ends up being, it, it's one of two things. He could either be out for an extended period of time or if it just, like, inhibits how well he can throw the football or even run the football. I'm really excited for Chase Daniel to somehow be the Bills' backup. <laughs> like, oh, it's post-trade deadline. Well, Winkin and Audrey. I, I, I don't even know what it. team Chase Daniels is on. I'm going to assume it's the Bills. backup? I'm is gonna this like it's Matt Barkley or something? No, wait, it's Case Keenum. Wait, what? Yeah, Case Keenum is their backup. Who knows? He might be getting playing time here soon. Case of the Mondays for monkeys. Because no longer... Monkeys are being a problem in sports. We had the uh, monkey with the the stripper for Texas. Well, Texas has bounced back this year. They're six and three. Oh yeah, the monkey story. Yeah, and then uh, Dusty Baker got the monkey off his shoulder. Finally, wins the World Series. The Astros win the World Series. There we go. Nothing really more to add than that. They had an right. unbelievably deep pitch. In keeping with the animal theme, mm-hmm. case of the Mondays for chickens. Okay. I don't know if you saw this story. A Philadelphia man went on a quest to eat 40 rotisserie chickens. Oh, this would have been a great Florida man. 40 days. He completed that quest on Sunday morning. Yeah, I actually saw this on social media. The guy, like... Yes, he was, like, videotaping himself. Yes, and he went out on, like, to eat the 40th one on, like, like, a a pier. Yeah, he was, like... set up a table, and people were just, like, there watching him. It was a very surreal situation. 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days. Now, a couple questions. Is this like a Guinness World Record? Number like, one, why? could you accomplish that challenge? Yeah. You think so? You can eat a rotisserie chicken every day. I wouldn't want to, but like you could. That's easy. Okay. Second point. Does this make up for the World Series loss? <laughs> that the man from Philadelphia ate 40 rotisserie well, chicken in 40 days. Well, I mean, and he accomplished this challenge on Sunday morning, the day after they lost the World Series. A team wins the World Series every year. How I haven't heard of this happening. Exactly. How often does a man eat 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days? From that standpoint, this is more impressive. You really think you could do this? Yeah. Could you not? Again, I, mean, I wouldn't want I to. Mean, it doesn't sound fun for me. These these are whole chickens. Rotisserie chicken. He has a whole day to eat it. I don't I don't know how it works. <laughs> do you know what a rotisserie chicken is? Like Well, yeah, of course. It's a dude, chicken. 
It's like two drumsticks, basically, and just like breast. You can eat a rotisserie chicken in one sitting if you really wanted to. You'd be very. Well, full. I know you could. You would sitting, definitely but... do it over a day. Easy. But okay. I wouldn't want to do that every day. Forget For forty that. days. No, screw that. What do you What do you think the significance of forty days is? Just he just chose. Uh, big just fan decided. of Jesus. Oh, big fan of Jesus. True. Forty days spent yeah, in the desert. Yeah. So his. So his. 40, I don't know why he did it now. Forty days during of, like Lent or Easter. His forty days in the desert were forty rotisserie chickens. Rotisserie chickens. Yeah. yeah. So. Bad day to be a chicken. Case of the Monday for chickens. <laughs> uh, case of the Monday for MLB free agent lists. One of the biggest free agents who was supposed to hit the market, Edwin Diaz, re-signed with the New York Mets. So uh, I guess opposite a case of the Mondays for the trumpet. Tommy Trumpets, is that his name? With the Mets? I honestly don't know what his name is. Five-year, over $100 million deal for the New York Mets. That's a lot of cash for a closer, though. A lot of times closers fizzle out pretty quickly especially after these long-term deals now it's weird because if for guys who are like eventual like hall of fame level closers those guys last for like 12 15 years but then for the really good elite ones a lot of them only last two to three years it's like a very big jump from one to the next you don't see the guys who are kind of in the middle uh often very much so maybe diaz is one of those guys that's going to last for a long period of time can you play the trumpet there no, I cannot play the, play the can trumpet. You can play you play any, the trumpet? Can you play any instrument? Uh, I can play like hot cross buns on a recorder. Uh, I could okay. play a few that- things on the piano. Okay. I like self-taught myself how to do piano at one point when I was younger. Not like extensive stuff, but like easier songs. I did it for, I don't know, just every now and often when I was a kid. But like I couldn't do it anymore. I could probably relearn it a little bit. But outside of that, no. Could you? Can I play the trumpet? No. no. Well, any musical instrument. Uh, Listen, I was a pretty nasty cello player mm-hmm. when I was in middle school, uh, but then I stopped. Mm. I also, I don't know if my mom or dad is listening, what is, what's I the lied. Cello? I lied on every practice sheet. Ever, I never practiced, and I just lied. Every is the time. cello like the, what, the standing the cello up is the, violin, no, basically? No, the bass is when you stand up. Oh. The cello is when you sit down and play. And that was Wait. why I chose the cello. So is it the same instrument? It's just how you're playing it? No, they're different instruments. Oh. What's the difference? What do you mean, what's the difference? What's the difference besides you're sitting down? It's bigger. It's than a than a bass? No, or a bass? the bass is or, the biggest. I don't know. Bass, bass, Bass is whatever. the biggest. Bass is the so biggest. Bass is the biggest. So the you loudest. stand up and, t- and play it. Okay. Then you have, you have violin, obviously. Uh-huh. Then you have viola, which is a slightly bigger this version is, of the violin. This is ridiculous. Doesn't that sound made, made up? Yes. Okay. You have that. Mm-hmm. And then you have the cello. Yo, 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 ma, yo, yo, ma, play the cello. Come on, you know who yo, yo, ma is, right? Heard the name, but I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I, I, I couldn't either. Yeah, he plays the cello though. Yeah, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's Case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We're gonna take a timeout. When we come back, Brandon Schneider, women's basketball head coach for Kansas, joins us on the other side. This is RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in. We've got Brandon Schneider joining us on the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And the first game this week for the KU women's basketball team comes on Wednesday against Jacksonville. Uh, when did things or, or do they for you guys shift from off-season work, from, I don't know, working on sets and, and just fundamentals, those sorts of things, to all of a sudden game planning and specific game prep for that opponent? Yeah, typically um, we operate what we call two-day preps. Uh, so that will be uh, starting today. Um, you know, we'll 
we'll start our scouting report process with our players, go over personnel, uh, some of their favorite actions, um, what what we like to run against the different defensive looks that that they may present. Uh, but it's a, it's a two day process. We'll have two two full practices, uh, and then a shoot around on um, on Wednesday. So what sticks out to you? Like you said, I know you're kind of starting that process today, but about the start of this schedule, in, including maybe that game against Jacksonville. Well, I mean, from a from a coach's perspective. Uh, the, the scout and the game plan has been put together for, for over a week. Uh, but we just haven't shared it with our players yet. Um, I think uh, they play today uh, in the early morning game, so we'll have the opportunity to, to watch it live and, and make any additional uh, changes before we meet with the players this afternoon. But biggest thing that stands out to me about Jacksonville is uh, their offensive discipline and versatility. Uh, their their overall team athleticism is exceptional. Um, they're they're definitely going to be a, a, a good first challenge for us. I know to open the season last year, they went up and beat Minnesota at Minnesota. So uh, I don't think it'll be difficult to get our players' attention. When you play the first game of a season, obviously there's a lot that you see over the offseason that you think might translate into a game or might have an idea what you want to do with the rotation or playing certain players or whatnot. But but what do you mostly learn in the first game? Like, Can you have big takeaways? Are there certain things that are different about that than, than maybe the lead-up with practice? Well, I think uh, you know we have had two, two scrimmages uh, in which we've learned a lot. Uh, we've had some players not participate in those due to maybe some some nagging injuries. Uh, but I think, you know, first and foremost is, is kind of what you mentioned, just trying to experiment a little bit with different combinations and rotations as we try to establish an identity. Is there an area or a stat category that you're hoping for the most improvement from last season to this year in? Uh, without question, it would be turnovers. Uh, I think if you evaluate us, uh, not only within the Big 12, but nationally, uh, we were really good in a lot of areas a year ago. But, but uh, you know, turnover rate is something that uh, uh, was just not very good. And, and uh, we've got too good of players uh, to not be able to improve on that. We're talking with Brandon Schneider here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And I know in some of our past conversations, we've talked a bit about Holly and Zakaya and Tayana. Um, but one player that I'm really excited to see this year is Chandler Prater coming off the bench a majority of games last year, really seemed to kind of thrive in, in making some big plays, starting big runs, providing energy from that role. What are kind of your expectations of what she can provide here now in her redshirt junior year? Well, I think going into the season, we would have expected her to, to potentially move into the starting lineup. Uh, but but some injuries, uh, you know, nothing nothing major, but some some minor injuries uh, kept her from out of practices for a significant amount of time, and she's just now kind of working her way back. Uh, so she'll come off the bench here early in the year. But uh, I think for sure is a player that um, that we know uh, is going to give us a spark if she's in that role, or could very easily. Uh, be part of the combination that we might feel really good about starting a game. Is there typically a timeline for the newcomer players when you see a lot of those new players, the, the I guess, light to switch on uh, for the season when it feels like, 
I don't know, they, they become accustomed with the program and, and the expectations and uh, maybe things slow down a little bit for them, or, or is that completely different player to player? Well, I think uh, we have two examples. You know, we have a freshman in uh, Sophie Telegdi who uh, is going to play a lot for us, uh, probably in a, in a backup role to Ioana Hatsuleonti, uh, but she has proven a lot through these early practices and, and the scrimmages. Uh, and then we have a player who's a sophomore that didn't get a lot of time a year ago, uh, who's just had an exceptional offseason and uh, probably was the most consistent player in our two scrimmages in Sana Strom, who um, we feel like has uh, really earned her way into the rotation. And uh, she will start uh, at the other wing spot opposite Holly Kerskier on Wednesday. Is there an ideal amount of players that you would like to play in a rotation, or is that again, something that's just kind of completely dependent on the personnel? Well, if we're healthy, uh, I think nine is something that, that we've always tried to do. Sometimes that can be difficult, but I think evaluating our roster, uh, if we're healthy, uh, I think uh, a nine-player rotation uh, would be really good for us. Um, and we've got a lot of players who are still competing uh, for, for those roles. What would you say some of those fiercest position battles or uh, role acquisition battles, I guess, uh, where would some of those come from? Who are some of the players that you've seen some of those big battles from this offseason? Well, I would say probably at the point guard and, uh, you know, at the, at the wing position. I think Holly Kerskeeter and Ioana Hatsuleonti and, and Tyana Jackson are pretty established. Uh, but I think Wybette Mayberry has, has come in and, and really pushed uh, Zakiah Franklin. Uh, and then you just you have Chandler and, and Sana and Mia Buksik and, and even Wybette Mayberry, who could, who could, uh, we could play along with uh, Zakiah. Uh, so there's, there's been a lot of competition for, uh, for kind of those, I guess, the point guard and maybe combo guard spots. All right, I got a couple non-basketball questions to finish up for you here. It's getting to the cold time of year with winter. Snowing, skiing, or sledding? Which of the three would you be most likely to be doing? Uh, what was the first one? Uh, I think I said snowing, but um, snowboarding, skiing, or sledding? Uh, it would be skiing. I'm, I'm not good. Uh, I'm not, I've, I've never done the other two, uh, so uh, it would be skiing for me, but I didn't get to do it. A lot of that growing up, uh, I was kind of forbidden uh, being a basketball player and the, uh, I guess, uh, chance of, of tearing a knee up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Okay, uh, the last one. What is the go-to or best meal that Brandon Schneider can cook, grill, or bake? Uh, I'm pretty good on uh, the Blackstone uh, with some breakfast. I like to go uh, bacon first. Uh, then do sourdough toast in the bacon grease, uh, and then uh, some eggs and some hash browns. Sounds like an um, ideal breakfast. That, well, Coach. That's, uh, that's my go-to. I love it. Well, appreciate the time, and good luck this week. You got it. Thank you. That was Brandon Schneider, head coach of the KU women's basketball team, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Of course, we got loaded week of action for you here on KLWN. Tonight, we scoot out of the way at 5.30. Pre-game coverage tip-off at 7.00 for KU taking on Omaha, and then uh, tomorrow night, 
We have some Hawk Talk action at 6 o'clock. We're going to do High School Sports Weekly. Nick's going to be out at Burgers by Biggs from 6 to 7, but it's going to air on KLWN 7 to 8. Wednesday night, we have Hawk Talk with Lance Leipold 6 to 7, and then the KU women's basketball team plays here on KLWN at 7 o'clock after that. Thursday night, we normally would have High School Sports Weekly, but there's a KU men's basketball game. So we have the KU men's basketball game at 7, pregame 5.30 against North Dakota State. Uh, go to my Twitter page, at Radio for a potential chance for you to win tickets to that. And then Saturday, we got the KU football game at Texas Tech at 6 o'clock, pregame at 4.30 here on KLWN. Hope you got that all down. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, we've got more KU basketball for you. And at 5.30, we're going to switch over to Crimson and Blue coverage with tip-off scheduled for 7 o'clock for Kansas against Omaha here tonight on KLWN, as you can hear all the games. If you're looking for a perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, check out Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. It is a Monday. It's time to overreact to what happened in the NFL with our NFL Monday overreactions. What do we got, Nick? Oh, we got some juicy ones. All right. First one, Malik Willis will not get a second contract with Tennessee. Because he sucks. Man, yeah, he does not look good. No, I don't think this is an overreaction. I would even be on the side of that he doesn't even get his fifth-year option at this point. Now, it's so early on. Like, Justin Fields looked bad at certain points early in his in, in his first year and, and yep, even early this season, and now yep. he's kind of turned a corner. So these things can switch really fast. Josh Allen looked really bad his first, like, two years, and then his third year he was amazing. These things can switch very fast. And always along the way, the drafting, the, the scouting report, the profile, whatever, for Malik Willis was that he's very raw. It's going to take him some time. But the talent is there. Okay, on the other side of this Tennessee quarterback debate, mm-hmm. but yes, Tennessee. I'm, I'm, yes, bust, bust. Tennessee would be the best team in the NFL with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. So is... I, First of all, what I want to diagnose here. Okay. Is Kirk Cousins definitively better than Ryan Tannehill? I think so, yes. Like, how much better? Well, that's the point. It's like, <laughs> no, the point of this is that Tennessee is so good everywhere else that they only need a Kirk Cousins-level quarterback to be the best team in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's not like a bad theory in the sense of, like, the, the, okay, I guess the first part of this is let's. I mean, they had a wet the, noodle at quarterback uh, on the road in Arrowhead on yeah. Sunday night, and they almost beat the Chiefs. Well, I think I think in years past, like take this year aside, Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins were pretty similar. This year, Kirk Cousins has been a lot better than Ryan Tannehill. But also, if you independently you look at the Vikings, I think the Titans have a better defensive line than the Vikings, but the Vikings still do have good defensive ends. The Vikings and the Titans both have good running games. The Vikings have the better weapons, with like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, now TJ Hawkinson, than what the Titans have. Um, I don't know. Both have good offensive lines. So this is an overreaction? 
I think that it is. They wouldn't <laughs> be the best team in the AFC. They would just be, I don't know. They probably win last night. <laughs> well, that was a primetime mm-hmm. game, though, so maybe not. But it's one of those things where it's like the Vikings technically have a top two record in the NFC. Like, the the Titans Vikings with have Kirk the best Cousins, record in the NFL from right that now, standpoint, okay. if the Titans oh, had the Kirk Cousins, they probably have the best record in the AFC, or at least tied for it. But I don't think we'd be viewing them as the best team. Does that make sense? Because we'd still be like, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yeah, sure. So a bit of an – it depends how you look at it, okay. whether it's an overreaction okay. or not. The Bills will miss the playoffs. Overreaction? The Bills will miss the playoffs. Wow. Miss the playoffs. Um, I'll say this. If Josh Allen is uh, – short answer, no. No, this is an overreaction. They will not miss the playoffs. Are you sure? I mean, I feel good about that, but I, I will, like, add this in. If Josh Allen is hurt for a long period of time, it would not shock me if the Bills finish, like, third in their division. I still think without Josh Allen, even if you were, and, and again, this is jumping to conclusions just based on the UCLA. UC, I keep doing that. <laughs> gosh dang it. Uh, UCL the injury. The UCLA injury. <laughs> I hate this. Um, I the keep, more I say it, the more you're going to mess it up. I know, right? So, if he is out for an extended period of time, they still have the, at least headed into last week, I don't know, maybe they're number two or number three now, the number one defense in the NFL. That okay. is good enough to be a playoff team on its own. Are you sure? They still do have so many weapons on the offensive side. Are you sure? That if Case Keenum was that, like, he's a fine backup. If Allen was out for hypo- hypothetically the rest of the season, I still think the Bills would go like 10 and 7. Okay, consider this the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. are 6 and 2. Yeah. Okay. So 4 and 5. You have the number one defense the rest They're of the way. Only two losses. Are against their AFC East foes. Correct. The Jets and the Dolphins. The Jets are six and three. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins are six and three. The Patriots are five and four. Is it that crazy to suggest the Bills could finish third or fourth in their division? No, it's not at all. It, so it's then they would all. miss the playoffs. Uh no, not necessarily. Yes, they would. Cards. If not they finished finish last in their division, they missed the playoffs. Well, they finished last. Yeah, you're missing the playoffs. If they finished third last. in the division, they probably missed the playoffs. I disagree. I think they make it at three. No. Because think about the other wildcard teams. The Where Ravens. are the wildcards coming from, right? The Ravens. I think Ravens are going to win the division. The Bengals. Then. Okay, so the Bengals. So you have one. Possible one. But, like, the Bengals have still been up and down, but, right? Okay, then there goes your there goes your hypothetical. Why? You can because still have wildcard teams. Because one of the other, obviously, if they finish third, one of the teams is going to be above them. So they're going to have wildcard. You realize there's three wildcard teams, correct? Yes. And you have the Bill, you have the, the, the Bengals and the Ravens. One of them is one of them the is the AFC East. Okay, that's so that's just two. one wild card. So we have two wild cards right now. Well, where are you getting the two? What do you mean? Where am I getting the two? The Ravens and the Jets, okay. or whoever, right, right. whatever right. yeah. team doesn't win the East. So there's two. So there's still spot left. There's two. There's still spot left. They're not going to win it though. They're not going to get it. I think that there is a chance. I I don't know, but I I do think they could finish third. I still think without Josh Allen, they'd be better than the Patriots. They play the Vikings next week. By the way, ooh, that'll be a. Uh, True test. There you go. See how Bills, the Vikings are. The Bills Unless are going to be Josh six and three. Out. The Bills are going to be six and three. They're going to be in third in their division. Hmm. And you think it's an overreaction? I still, it still would not surprise me though if the Jets finish like nine and eight. <clears throat> but okay. I think it's a slight overreaction. It's it's all okay. based on the Josh Allen injury. If Josh okay. Allen is fine, then it's a huge overreaction. But really, you think while, so? 
Josh Allen was fine, and they lost to the Dolphins and the, and the Jets. I know, but weird losses happen. Like, when, the, when they play the Jets again, they'll be, like, eight-point favorites. They'll probably win. All right, Aaron Rodgers, he's the worst starter in his division. Ooh. I kind of am, uh, am on board with this. So, I, I have really turned the corner on Justin Fields as of, like, last week, two weeks ago. Continued to look really good against the Dolphins, well, putting up okay. 32. The bigger question is... Who's the best starter in the division? <laughs> you got Kirk Cousins, yeah. Justin Fields, and Jared Goff. No, it's not Jared Goff. It's not Jared Goff. It has to be Kirk Cousins or Justin Fields at this point. I'm serious. It's not Aaron Rodgers anymore. Okay. He does not look good. Uh, but yeah, who so is the Kirk. best starter? Is it Kirk? Dude, I don't know. I'm almost ready is to it, go is Justin it 12 Fields. 12 o'clock Kirk? I guess you have to go Kirk just out of the, the history there. I mean, that, that might still be, be disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers, but that looked bad, dude. Like... You, you muster up nine points against the Lions. They've lost, I think, five in a row. You throw three interceptions. All of them are, like, at the goal line. Yes. I mean, he's he, he he does not look good. And so I I think I would still probably rank him ahead of Jared Goff, so this would be a slight overreaction for worst start in the division. But seriously, like... Jared Goff just beat him. Yeah, that too. I, Jordan Love o'clock? Is it crazy to say Justin Fields is better right now than Aaron Rodgers? Because I feel like that would be ludicrous to be like, like hypothetically, you go into a, a random game and you say the, like, well, let's do the okay. Max Kellerman thing. Like, you know, the, the fate of the earth. One game. You oh. know, the quarterback. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm probably still going to go with Aaron Rodgers in that situation. Yeah, it's like in a vacuum. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's got to be, right? But based on how they played... You could argue. Yeah. Jordan Should they Love? start Jordan Love? Jordan Love time? Um, honestly, Is it Jordan like, Love time? So you, you can't do this in the NFL because there's all the, um, whatever, like dead money attached and, and the signing bonus that if you trade someone who has like a big signing bonus, you basically get screwed over Are with a bunch of dead cap. Packers right? should cut Aaron Rodgers? No. What I'm saying is if that wasn't a thing and this was like the NBA where you could just like swap players who had equal salaries for each other and whatever. Who would say no to this trade? Aaron Rodgers for Russell Wilson. I would say no. You would say no? Why would you say no? Because then the Broncos might have a chance to be maybe good. Is Aaron... But, like, both quarterbacks have been bad. So, I don't think it's like a... But I trust the idea Aaron Rodgers is to be better You get a changed-up scenery. But Aaron Rodgers is also older. So, yes, you might trust Aaron Rodgers more, but he's older. So you're going to have less time out of it. With Russell Wilson, he goes back up to Wisconsin, you know, where he did well with Wisconsin. Who says no? I think they both take it. I say no. I don't want the Broncos to have any chance of being decent. <laughs> well, should the Packers start Jordan Love? I no. mean, if they, not yet. No, no. The answer is no. But if they get to like... But serious question, like... At what point do you say, do the, hey, do, the season's lost. Let's see what we got here. Exactly. Like, well, and furthermore to that point, it's like... At what point, if you're the Packers, do you say, we need to rebuild? Yeah. You know what I mean? But it sucks because you're past the like trade the, deadline. Like, the Packers so. have been – the Packers have obviously been a team that for the last 15 to 20 years have been yeah. a guaranteed – well, even longer, I guess, than that. Right? Well, I, mean, I, I mean, like, imagine this. Imagine if we would have been at the – if the trade deadline was, like, this week. And they were like, well, what are we going to do now? Because – they're not going to catch the Vikings in the division. And you look at the, the wild card teams right now in the NFC, you're going to have Cowboys. I mean, the Giants are like 6-2. and two. One of the 49ers are Seahawks. Like, 
it's going to be a lot tougher to catch all those teams when you're sitting at three and six. I wonder if, again, there's too much money attached that it would have never happened. But like, what if you were like the Jets or the Giants and you were at the deadline like, hey, we'll give you a second round pick for Aaron Rodgers. Well, Daniel Jones is better, first of all. Second of all. Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson. We'll give you Zach Wilson maybe. for Aaron Rodgers. Who says no? That'd be a horrible trade for the Jets. I think. Right? I don't know. Zach Wilson might not be very good. I don't know. All right. Moving on. Geno Smith is the best starter in his division. Oh. We gave way too much airtime to the Packers there. Yeah, we did. Uh, okay. So, he's better than Jimmy G. Right? We can agree on that? Geno? Yeah. He's putting yeah. up numbers, yeah. dude. Yeah. Okay, so better than Jimmy G. Matt Stafford sucks. By the way, these are the numbers for Geno Smith this year. He, are, he has 2,200 yards passing, and they've played, what, nine games? So about halfway through the season. So he's he's about on pace for like 4,000 yards. He's completing 73% of his passes. He has 15 touchdowns to four picks, so on pace for that's pretty good. around 30 touchdowns to eight picks with almost 4,000 yards. Like That's not you know MVP-level stuff, but that's, that's like pretty good. top 10-ish quarterback, honestly, on a given season. Um, Stafford sucks. Jimmy G. Yeah, Stafford looks terrible. Jimmy G. Better than that. And, and then Kyler Murray. Kyler is too short, and he plays too much God. Yeah, I don't know what to think of Kyler Murray because he puts up numbers, but it, it doesn't really lead to wins, and, and they're getting behind in these games. He's missing a lot of the little things. Geno Smith is outperforming Kyler Murray from a statistic level, from a winning level, whatever it is this season. So if you're just going based on that. The Matthew Stafford one is interesting because this season it's not even close. Like, you could make an argument Stafford's been a – bottom five starting quarterback in the NFL this season like for if you take aside the biases of what you've done in the past winning a Super Bowl putting up past big numbers he's dealing with that like elbow injury though and it's clearly having an effect and the line isn't very good for them and he's not a mobile quarterback so he doesn't go well with that um so if it's just this season yes he is by far the best starter in the division but if you still are taking into account which we do where we give you the the nod for well, what have you done in the past? Have you earned our benefit of the doubt? Then you might still go with one of those other guys. Jimmy G's been in a Super Bowl, went to the NFC Championship last year. Matt Stafford obviously has Jimmy the pedigree. Matt Stafford has been bad except for one season. But he it's like, it's almost like you're still waiting when, when it's a guy like this. Like, Geno Smith is in his 30s and he's having a breakout season. You're just, you're just waiting for there to be like a stretch of like four games where, you know what this season feels like? Remember the Nick Foles season for the Eagles where he had, like, 26 touchdowns, like, two interceptions? Yeah. That's what this feels like to me. It's just, like, a remarkable season by a veteran guy who's got some talent, but I'm not necessarily expecting it to be replicated, like, next season necessarily. But good for him this year, and, and yeah, I guess this year specifically he's the best starter. All right, Derek Johnson riding off Geno Smith, mm. our top story on Rock Check Sports mm. Talk. Okay, the Raiders. They should purposely get behind. The Raiders <laughs> in games so that they can't choke their leads. I mean, it would certainly be better optics. But would they? Okay, but okay. Yeah, the I have question a problem is, with do you this. get behind and then you get behind worse? I have a problem with this. Do you, yeah, like, like, listen, I, I actually, I'll say this right now. In 2018, 2019, 2020, like when the Chiefs were making the Super Bowl run, I was saying that the Chiefs need to purposely get behind in game. Like, unironically, uh -huh. I was saying that. Yeah. Okay? And guess what happened? They won the Super Bowl. Look at their Super Bowl playoff. Look at their playoff runs the year they mm -hmm. won the Super Bowl. 24 to 3, 24 nothing to the to the Texans. They were down 17 to 7 late in the third quarter against the 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 Titans. Mm -hmm. In the Super Bowl. 
down by 10. The, I was unironically saying that. The mm-hmm. Chiefs, the, but okay, that's the Chiefs. These are the Raiders. So I want to hear why you think it's a good idea. The Raiders should purposely get behind because they're bad. If they get behind, they're just going to lose. Well, I mean, yes. The The real answer is that there is nothing that can fix it. But, like, you know the saying of, uh, was it, uh, crazy is or, or insane or whatever is oh, doing the same you know, thing over and over again over and over and expecting, expecting different, different results okay, yeah. right okay yeah yeah the raiders blew a 20 to nothing lead against the jacksonville jaguars yesterday they did they lost earlier this season they blew a 20 to nothing lead against the arizona cardinals and lost they did they're up 17 points on the chiefs earlier yes. this season and lost yes and i, I, I was happy is. when they were beating the chiefs because i knew the chiefs were going to try and win yeah, that was the perfect storm. There's a team who blows every lead versus a team who comes back all the time. I just don't they see need it to here, change though. something up. I just don't see it. They're, they're not good playing ahead. They're just they, going to get down 14-0, and then they're just going to lose by even more. But maybe maybe, maybe it'll change up the, you know, the I don't know, the, the view of the game. Like, maybe they just they get in their head when they get a lead, and they're like, ah, we got this, and then they rest on their laurels a bit, and they come from, I don't know, maybe if they're behind, they can have a different mindset. Um, Have you considered the possibility that they're just bad? Well, yes. The The real answer is they are just bad. <laughs> I wonder, okay, their two wins this year are against Denver and Houston. Did they get so, behind in those so games? So bad Let's and see. bad. They were down 13-10 to 10 at halftime to Houston. Okay. And they were down 20-17 to 17 at the end of the third quarter. Okay. So they need to be down. By how much? Not a lot. Anything. Yeah. Don't get down too much because you're not you're not the Chiefs, you're not the you know? Chiefs. You're not the Chiefs. They were down They're seven trying. to they, three they, to the they, Broncos after the first quarter. So yeah, just get down like one score at halftime. If if you score the first touchdown of the game, just be like, here, we'll politely let you score on your end, right? Okay. Get down a touchdown and then you don't have to worry about it. plus it's just the optics too. Like it looks so much worse as a head coach and a quarterback if it's like it's one thing if you lose a close game. It's another thing, like if you lost to the Jaguars twenty seven twenty, sure, that's not great. But when you blow a 20 nothing lead, instead of it just being a footnote where not a lot of people are paying attention to the result of that game because it's two teams that aren't going to make yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, literally, who cares about the Raiders and the But Jets? now the headline is, if you go to ESPN or wherever and click on, like, the NFL, one of the, like, probably seven headlines is Raiders blow another 20-point lead instead of it just being distanced away. So that, that's, yes. yeah, but that's still No, but that's still bad. <laughs> yes, if it is. If you're losing. It's picking. picking your, if picking you're losing, choosing. it doesn't matter. Pick right. your battle. Final one, the Jets can or will make mm-hmm. an NFC champ- an AFC championship game. No, they will not. Why not? Because they do not have the good enough quarterback. And I think what we saw on Sunday is that the defense and the running game are good enough that on a given Sunday, like they're kind of like the Titans. On a given game, when they have this good recipe. Titans made an AFC championship game. Yes, they did. Um, but okay, they're so, like a light version of that. Just shot a light your version of I that. just shot the yard. No, because Ryan Tannehill was still at least like a solid enough quarterback. Zach Wilson is a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I just, I the ceiling is there. They can win one of those games. But if you're going to make an AFC championship, especially from where the Jets are going to be, you're not going to be like a one seed. You're going to have to win two of those games back to back. And I don't think they can do that. I don't know. I don't know. What odds would you realistically like if what? If, what if you had the option in front of you with DraftKings or something to okay. place a bet on the Jets to make an AFC Championship game? What odds would you need to take the bet? Got to be at least twelve hundred. Okay, that's my point. 
Okay. Because that does not mean it's a likely thing to happen. So, yes, overreaction. Okay. Well, not, I mean, but, okay, the question is, though, like, th- not necessarily this year, just in the future. <laughs> Ever? In the next in the next five years. Okay, then, yeah, sure. I mean, you can play the oh, numbers okay. game. Oh, now you're going to walk I back. Was... Now you're going to walk it back. Yeah, okay, for yeah. five years? There's like <laughs> a billion first-round picks on the team. Sure, I mean, it could happen in the next five years. Sure. He's Nick Springer. Okay. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down. One to go. KU takes on Omaha in about two hours. Pre-game starts for you in 30 minutes here on KLWN. We'll preview the game on the other side. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We scoot over for Crimson and Blue coverage at 5.30 here. We've got some Norm Roberts audio we're going to get to you later in this half hour and then tip off at 7 o'clock right here on KLWN and KLWN.com. Uh, so Tex Tech's going to be without Baron Morton, but Donovan Smith for the game on Saturday has been a starter for a lot of the games. I don't know what his status is, um, but yeah, they, they haven't seen like a, a huge difference if you look at the stats between the two quarterbacks. So not sure how much of a, it'll, a difference it'll be, but KU opening at four-point underdogs, which you can get over at DraftKings. KU, meanwhile, giving up 34 points against Omaha tonight. I'm riding with KU on that. I think oh, I can. Of course. Omaha First game is, of the season? Yeah, and almost uh, not very good. I know KU had the, the bad start against Pittsburgh State. Uh, by the way, do we get a flopping technical tonight? Because that's I a think new we, rule. Yeah, I think we do. There's um, no more warning. Yeah. It's just straight to, a, but you only get one free throw out of it. Yeah, which, so if you are if you watch a lot of college basketball, just just be prepared to probably get mad yes. early in the season. Especially because, early. They yeah, always love whatever new rule yeah. they're they're trending early in the season. Yeah. They, they, they give it a lot. And then as the season goes on, it kind it of goes down. down. Yeah. yeah, they're just trying to kind of yeah, send so a just, statement. Just buckle up and prepare for a lot of uh, a lot of flopping texts. Now, my question is, 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 does it work the same way where if you get two flopping texts, are you ejected? Uh, I I know the the Big Twelve head of officials was talking about this at Big Twelve media. I think he said it's three for that. <laughs> so it's because you're right. If you get two like Regular flagrant technicals. ones or technicals, yeah. you get ejected. But for those, you have to have three. Yes. It is three, which which is the good thing to do. So, By the way, what's up? So we opened up the show, and I mentioned the Jalen Wilson over under point total was fourteen and a half okay. plus one hundred. I hope you got in on it because they removed it. Oh, from the board because a bunch of people were probably betting on it. So I hope you got in on Man. it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll put it back up there at, at a bigger number, or hopefully they didn't like refund the money. Anyway, uh, Omaha has a new head coach, Chris Crutchfield. He's previously an assistant all over TCU, Oklahoma, recently Oregon. And Omaha was not very good last year. They were the worst offensive team and the second worst defensive team in the Summit League per Ken Palm last season. They were also 344th nationally. This year, they're projected to be 330th, so a little Out bit better. Out of, what, 360? I know last there? year was 358, 358. I, but but there have been like new teams every year. I was looking at a list of some of the schools this year, and I'm like, wait, that's not a real school. Like, Queens University? When yeah, did that James, become James a thing, Madison right? James was playing Valley Forge earlier today. There's no way that's a D1 team. That no, has Valley, to be like a D2 team. No, no, no. Team. Valley Forge is like D3, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. It feels like the number goes up and up and up every year. Um, it was at 358. Yeah, this year it is at 364. Look at that. We got all sorts okay. of new teams in there. There we go. Yeah, so, so if it, you're 330th, that's, you know... Could be worse. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Could be worse. Is there that much of a difference between playing like Team 330 and like Team 350, do you think? There could be. There could I be. Might. I have I have no idea. 
Uh, this is by far the the lowest ranked team on Ken Palm that KU is going to play this year. It is kind of a slow rise. You you went from playing a D two team in Pitt State to now playing the the three hundred thirtieth team. Your next game on Thursday, North Dakota State is two hundred six, and then you have the big jump to the Duke game, and then back yeah. down for Southern Utah before you go to uh, Southern the Utah is higher than Omaha in Ken Palm. Um, I believe so. Yes, they are. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm very certain. Um. They are You're, the odds of them being higher are pretty good. One sixty-seven. Wow, they're actually better wow. than North Dakota State. Yeah, that's crazy. I did not expect that. Well, player to watch. I, I, I don't want to get like too into the weeds on the X's and O's and stuff like that for this game with Omaha, but they do have a kid, Frankie Fiddler, which is a fantastic name. That is awesome. I, I'm big fan of the alliteration to begin with, but like, wait, it's spelled F I D L E R. I guess it could be Fiddler. Fiddler. It could be. I like Fiddler better. I like Let's Fiddler just do better that. Too. Yeah. Uh, over no, twenty Fiddler's points per game. Cooler. The last nine games as a freshman last season, he's kind of like a six-seven swingman. Yeah, over the last nine, so that'll be interesting for for KU to check him and, and being kind of a a four man that can stretch it out a little bit. But again, I don't want to spend like too much time on on the matchup in general because it's a game against a team who's who's ranked three forty. If KU has certain you know matchup problems or schematic problems, there's bigger fish to fry than. Was this a bad matchup for KU? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you're 30 whatever point favorites. Will, will Grady Dick start? That is an interesting question. I what say you, yes. I say so? yes. 20 points in the opening game. He's your best shooter. Do you think so? The question is, who um, would he start for? I guess KJ. I feel like KJ does so much for this team. I wonder if they're going to start in the small ball five lineup. Wait, who's your five? With KJ at the five. Okay. And Jalen at the four. Because he can play Jalen at the five, too. Yeah, you can. I guess it would be, yeah, it wouldn't really matter as much for, I don't know. So what? Just for optics. K- KJ, Grady Dick, Jalen, mm-hmm. Kevin Kohler, and Dewan. Yeah. That would be my guess right now. I mean, what's kind of interesting about that lineup is, besides Dewan, the other four guys, the shortest one is 6'6". Yeah. I mean, it's great size all over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think he starts... Um, and then it's it's and this is just going to be a conversation every game. So I'll bring yep, it up again it here. Is. Like what's going to happen at the center position? Yep. Whether it's somebody getting the start, who plays the most minutes, who's the most effective? Will Uday get another lob? In this yes, game? he will definitely get a lob. Will he get two lobs? He will get attempted two, and he will make one. One of them will be like he'll yeah, either this. get fouled or it'll be like an errant pass or something. That's my prediction. Okay. Ultimate prediction of the game, right there. Um, over under one and a half lob passes for Uday. Yeah, over, over, over. Well, but he has to the make two there. Has to oh, make but he has to make them. I think you take the under. I mean, he might. I, you don't know how much any of these centers are going to play. That's fair. I do think that for me, because the center is obviously going to be the position of intrigue for everyone. I think the most in terms of trying to figure out what everybody is going to be doing, but. Yeah. Honestly, the the Bobby Pettiford because with with MJ Rice out, I would I would assume he was out. He was injured for the last game. I don't know. Maybe there there was you know something that came up and, and maybe he's going to play yeah. uh, this game. But I'm just assuming he's out. And whether he's in or out, there's only a limited amount of minutes to go around for one of maybe maybe two when MJ Rice is out. Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesfu, and Kyle Cuff. Yeah. Well, like we've talked about it. I mean. The rotation is going to get down to eight seven or eight, guys, yeah, probably for the tournament. You know, mm-hmm. Once you get to 
once you get to deeper into conference play and the tournament, right? So uh, on one hand, it's like, okay, well, this first game doesn't really matter. Well, it, it kind of does, right? Like if you're coming, if if yeah, you want to make a first impression. Yeah, exactly. Like if if Yesifu is the third guard off the bench, mm-hmm. that's bad. Yeah. Well, because you know, a first impression isn't everything for the guys trying to crack the rotation. But you know what it does? It's going to give you more minutes early in the season, and it's going to give you more of an opportunity to be good. Exactly to, to gain a rhythm and to show that you deserve to be in the rotation. Yes. And if you get the first look your way, if you make the good first impression, and then you're just status quo from there. You should be able to keep it. So that's why yeah. it is important. And honestly, that's what I'm going to be looking for the most. Specifically, those two guys. Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu. Like I said, when MJ Rice is out, there's probably going to be minutes for both of them to go around. One guy will probably have inherently more minutes than the other. But once MJ Rice is back, there might only be minutes for one guy. And for Joe Yesifu to carve out a role for this team, he has to be a shot maker. He has to be a tough shot maker. He has to hit open threes. He has to be a good off-ball scorer. He struggled a bit shooting the ball in the exhibition game. Again, it was just one game. He definitely has to be aggressive. Yes, you did appreciate the aggressiveness. He did take a good amount of shots, and that's what you're going to be looking for tonight. With Bobby Pettiford, it's can you be a good defender? Can you you know, hit he's open shots when your, you get them? I mean, he's going to be more of your secondary yeah. ball handler behind Dewan, right? Yes, exactly. So that's where he has the, the edge on Yesufu for at least like a floor of minutes. And then with Kyle Cuff. I thought he was pretty impressive in the opener, um, but played, I think he all played, along he played more than I expected he was. He going did. To play. He did. Which I don't know. I don't really know how to read that. I don't either. I don't know if you read that as he was playing well, so he earned more minutes, and maybe we'll see or some of it tonight. It was an exhibition, and so they just threw him opportunity to get yeah. minutes for a guy who might not get as much over the course of the season. Yeah. But that little rotation of spots in the center spot are the two most interesting ones. Who is? Uh, your pick tonight, though, for for the player you're most interested to watch, one individual player. Hmm. Well, Grady Dick impressed in the exhibition, but I don't want to just keep saying Grady Dick every single game. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Jalen just to see what he does. Like, I mean, the because que- the question for Jalen is going to be: Is he going to be like that primary guy? Is he going to be the guy? You know. So maybe just watching him just get try to feel out that role for himself, right? And and kind of how he handles it. Because obviously in the time that Jalen has been in his career at Kansas, like he's never had to be the guy. He's never even had to be the second guy. Right? And now this year you're pretty much asking him to be the guy. And that you know, that's a big that's a big ask for somebody, right? So just maybe monitoring kind of how he handles that. Yeah. And, and basically uh, what you be, mean. And, and I mean, obviously, like, you're not, not going to be able to. It's not that he has to score 30. Exactly. Right? But, like, just but in the as big the moment, primary. Yeah, there's as, five as on the, the shot clock. Yeah, as, as the primary, you know, bucket getter for the time being, late in the shot clock, how does he handle that? And, and and that's not even to say that we'll really even extrapolate anything from about that from this game. But I guess just, you know, just keep an eye on him. No, but I think I think you're right. It's less about the the stats. What does the box score say at the end? And it is more about just how he's who's getting the ball when yep. there's there. Maybe we'll track that tomorrow. Maybe we'll keep an eye on that. Shots that KU takes with five or less on the shot clock. Who takes them all? Okay. So we'll we'll, we'll that maybe is, bring that, that to you what tomorrow. The RCST Brain Trust is going to be keeping an eye on. Here we go. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the you know I don't know boring 
answer, I guess, like in that most people are probably saying this, Grady Dick. Yeah. Especially after the last game. I'm really excited to see what it looks yeah, like. Does he build if he goes out there and hits like five threes, that'd be pretty <laughs> cool. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have KU pregame coverage from the network starting in about 15 minutes. This is RCST and FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Norm Roberts, audio next.